Hello and welcome to Kicking Balls, the podcast where two 20-something Americans give out a whole lot of opinions on soccer as if they're fact. Hello, hello, hello. We're back. We're back. We're a day late because for once, instead of running my mouth about soccer, I was actually playing soccer for once. Yeah, honestly, valid. I feel like it helps the, uh, you know, the podcast legitimacy potentially if one of us actually is like continuing to play the sport. So I bagged I bagged a nice game winning assist. So you know. yeah, you did. Playing on and stuff, I however, them- so her knees are destroyed. Yeah, that's that. true. Um, Ken, I had forgotten how bad it's funny. I, I think it's actually kind of funny. Cause I was just complaining, like, but I don't know if it was last episode or the one before about how being worried about city playing on turf. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I, I was saying to Rachel earlier, um, this was the first time I had played on turf, um, since high school. Um, cause I, all the rec leagues I'd played in since high school had been on grass. Um, and this one we played on turf. And, you know, obviously I ate it at at least some point. And so my knees are all torn up. Um, and I really had forgotten how bad turf burn is, but. Part of the game, right. I suppose. Part of the, game. part of the game. You're badass. That's great. You're an actual soccer player. Um, Anyways, um, let's go back to our usually scheduled programming of talking. Actual, of actual soccer? <laughs> talking about, well, no, I played actual soccer. What the Sorry, fuck? Excuse me. Um, <laughs> Let's start talking. We'll go, we'll go talk about professional soccer. Professional, we'll do it. Professionals. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, not okay. the not Thursday night in Washington DC beer leagues. Um, Look, that could be as professional as you want it to be. Anyway, let's do it because I said we were going to be speedy, which probably will be true. Yeah. So let's do this thing. Um, oh, let's yeah. talk. Pro- um, a lot of games this weekend some pretty interesting ones as well or some pretty thing some things to talk about discuss within it as well um we're gonna start with saturday um friday, friday. spurs beat friday Palace you're right friday. friday there was see it throws me off because spurs played monday and friday and that was weird um yeah i don't really get it i don't know anyway spurs beat crystal palace on uh friday they continue their their good run Ooh. um um saturday we started off with brentford beating chelsea which is hilarious um and not surprising chelsea continues to be uh at their best mediocre at their worst pathetic um yeah when do we uh do we anticipate a coach firing sometime soon or do we not think that's in the picture yeah, like, I just don't think that's the problem. Like, I don't think it, that's the it, issue. It isn't the problem. Like, the thing is, like, that just, like, very clearly is not the problem. But, and we'll talk about it with Manchester United as well um, later on. But, like, Chelsea is just one of those foot club, football clubs right now that kind of just needs, like, a burning from the ground. Like, salt the earth, rebuild somewhere new kind of situation. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if that's going to happen. So, we'll just see what happens godspeed chelsea godspeed yeah godspeed chelsea um speaking of chelsea actually sorry brief sidebar um yesterday i saw noah khan you know noah khan yeah of stick season fame yeah yeah uh, basically announced basically that he's putting out a new version of i think northern attitude um with hosier 
And this was all great. The announcement was all fun, except Noah Khan is wearing a Chelsea football club hat oh, oh, in this no. video. And it was the only thing I could think about the entire video. I sent it to like 12 people and was like, this is, I cannot believe I have to like live with knowing that Noah Khan is a Chelsea fan. Like, what no am I supposed to fan. information? No. Like, I can't believe I can never listen to Noah Khan again. <laughs> like, never. Hey, at least he wasn't um, a Manchester United fan. Like, true 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 um he's just feel about the fact that tom holland was at least at one point an arsenal fan and now is a adamant spurs fan which to me makes zero sense and he's no but you know you know who else is a chelsea fan and you know who else is is kind of like an aggressive chelsea fan who um archie archie renault who plays mal in shadow and bone damn really yeah and he like posts about it on his instagram stories sometimes too well, he's like, pretty upset right now, then. I know. It's, like, really tragic. I'm like, stop having bad taste in football clubs, you know? Like, there's better clubs in London. So, so many yeah. other clubs in London. Literally so many better clubs in London. Anyway, um, that was a little sidebar about Chelsea. Sorry. Pretty I know fun. we said we were efficient, but um, yeah. we never are. Anyways, um, next game, Bournemouth beat Burnley 2-1. Uh, to one. Nice I... win for them. I didn't watch it. Yeah, but good win for them. Yeah, I got I got nothing there. Um, Arsenal then played Sheffield United. You were making comments last week, like you thought you were going to lose to Sheffield United. Not only did you not lose to Sheffield United, you beat them five nothing. Look, um, yes, I get it. I get it. Worries unfounded. However, not really because I'm an Arsenal fan. Um, Eddie Eddie and Ketia had a uh, hat trick. Yeah. Which is really good for him. I mean, I mean, there's not much to say about this game. We were able to rest some people, which was good. Um, I think Odegaard took an rest the entire game. I mean, Katia looks good. I mean, it's it's people crit- criticize him a lot. Um, obviously, like Gabriel Jesus is our number one. Um, but also, there's so much talk up and around here of Arsenal needing needing to get a number nine in January, and I. I don't know how I feel about that. I definitely don't think we should get Ivan Tony, which is what's being thrown around right now. So I don't know. But I think Katia needed that. And if he can stay like that in front of net in games that, you know, aren't against Sheffield, I'm pretty happy. All right. Yeah. We will. Um, I mean, then we, we lost be- in the Carabao Cup, but I mean, who really cares? Well, City lost last round in the Carabao Cup, so we clearly not this. Look, look, I'm just going to say, we normally lose in the first round. This year, we lost in the second round. Improvement. <laughs> Progress. Gonna about, if we're going to care about a domestic cup, like FA Cup, like, what's the Carabao Cup anyway? Right. I mean, We've just established that this podcast doesn't give a shit about the Carabao Cup. Anyway. Even when City uh, has won it, like, 15 times. Yeah, City did win it like three times in a row, but then they started finding bigger trophies to win and stuff. We could just can we just all right. accept that it's the lesser of all trophies? It is. It's the lesser, it's the least of the major trophies that an English team can win. Yeah, which is fine. Not taking away from the fact that it's a good trophy to win. No, like nobody's gonna say no to to winning hardware, to winning trophies. Yeah. Nobody's gonna but say that. If it's, it the, is... if it's if it's the games that we play like our third string players, then I'm fine with that. I don't give a shit. It's the lowest of the of the competitions. Yeah. Anyways, 
Um, last game on Saturday was uh, a draw between Wolves and Newcastle, 2-2 on that one. Um, I think it was a pretty good result for Wolves, to be honest. Um, Newcastle has been looking quite good, but they yeah. came back from that one as well. Was it? Um, didn't they come back from 0-1 and 2-1? I know it was 2-1 at halftime. I don't know if they went down one nothing. They did. I can't look at the game. I times. was pretty sure this was true. Yeah. It oh, looks no, like wait. It oh, wait. Newcastle went down yeah. both times. Oh, no. This isn't true. They didn't. Newcastle. I'm, just, I'm lying to everyone. I clearly can't read. You were right the first time. You were right the first time. I was right the first time. Yep. Hell um, yeah. Okay. Uh, that brings us to Sunday. Um, Everton beat West Ham 1 nothing. I think that's fun. Could be the potentially most surprising thing that happened this weekend. I think it is the most surprising thing that happened this weekend. Considering that the one uh, West Ham then beat Arsenal, which is just stupid. Right, which is like why it's like well, the other thing is like West Ham is like pretty good. Like West Ham's oh, pretty good. Yeah, which know. is why this score just doesn't like right. And Everton is pretty much a wreck, which is not new information. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so that's, you know, a little surprising there. Um, then that brings us to Aston Villa beat Luton Town 3-1. Uh, to one. Also not surprising. Uh, Brighton and Fulham tied 1-1. The only thing I know specifically about this game is that Anthony Robinson, uh, U.S. National, had a goal line, uh, yes. like a goal line appearance towards the mm-hmm. end of the game. So I yep. know that kept it at a tie, so go, go Jedi. Woo-woo. Um, Liverpool beat Nottingham Forest 3-0. Liverpool, um, I'm not going to lie, Liverpool seems like they're getting moving a little bit. Yeah, they are. Um, they've strung together a nice couple of results. Darwin Nunez seems to be hitting the back of the net um, with a little bit of consistency, which we've seen. Would I be seen. interested to see, have they played anyone? Like, anyone in the top? I, I haven't actually looked. But I would be interested uh, to know if that's, if that's, not saying that they aren't playing, I think they're playing well either way. I, they played Brighton, I believe. I know they lost to they lost to Spurs. I think that yeah. might be the only time mm-hmm. they lost this year. I think it was to Spurs. Um, they drew Brighton, so they played Brighton, okay. um, and they they beat Newcastle pretty early in the season. They tied yeah. Chelsea on opening day, okay. so it's been kind of a mixed bag. They played, mix. yeah. They they have played. The only sort of like front runner that they've played though is Spurs, and they did lose to Spurs, but that was a that was about a month ago. Um, and I feel I like that's it, I don't really think it has that much of a. I don't think it has that much of an like. No, I think we'll learn more in a couple of weeks towards the end of the month. Uh, we always we always learn a lot in December. I feel like don't you think? Yeah, towards the end of November, um, City uh, they'll play City, and that will tell us a little bit more about where yeah. Liverpool is at. But they seem to be hitting when, a little. I don't actually know when they play Arsenal either. So. Uh, it's not before that. So. Oh, okay. Um, just because I just I was like looking for their next fixture. It must that be like up. I bet you that's like a Boxing Day game or something. Liverpool, uh, Liverpool Arsenal. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know either. Liverpool, um, Liverpool City. Trying... Yeah, uh, I was just I was just wondering. Um, anyways, they seem to be hitting stride. We'll see yeah. how whether that sort of keeps whether they're actually hitting stride or if it's just a little peak. Um, so we'll 
we'll see about that. Um, speaking of peaks and valleys, valleys. <laughs> um, what's lower than a valley? Gorges. Um, the center of the earth. The Manchester, the biggest, you know, the 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 headline game of the weekend, of course, the Manchester Derby. Um, this was pretty, pretty bit. I'm gonna be yeah. honest. It was kind of a boring game. I was gonna um, say I didn't actually I like turned it on and then I turned it off because I was like oh you know what this isn't actually gonna be interesting the second half was a little better because well it was better in some ways City played better City played much better in the second half um but it all around honestly like here's the thing here's the thing City won three nothing two Holland goals uh, and Foden finished them off um which I always love to see Phil Foden you know, score in a, in a Derby because he is, you know, the Manchester boy. Um, but so very fun three, nothing, you know, it was an easy win. I think there was maybe like, two, I think man, you maybe had one, two decent chances. Maybe. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of, I'm trying to think McTominay had like one, I think McTominay forced uh one save out of Ederson, like from a pretty far off one. And then like Rashford made a couple runs, but I don't think anything came really of any of them. Um, ultimately here's, here's, I think the most condemning thing I can say about Manchester United is that Manchester city didn't even play that well. <laughs> oh no. Like that's, like Manchester City has still yet this entire season in City we have yet to hit full stride. Yeah, that's definitely true. Yeah. Um we have yet to to reach sort of peak City. And now there were there were moments of it in this game, some really beautiful, you know, sort of passing before um the first goal was a penalty kick, which was funny because it's the first time in like 37 years or something like that that Manchester City has been awarded um a penalty at Old Trafford. Wow. Um, which was really funny because they, somebody was like trotting out that stat the, before the game had started, somebody oh. started with, Oh, did you know this? Um, like, and I, I heard it the day before. Then they get a, well, of, of course, course then they're they awarded get, a penalty. Yeah. Um, and, and Manchester United fans will complain that it's a soft penalty. And I'm not really going to argue with that. I do think it yeah. was kind of soft. I mean, Hollyan pulls down Rodri in the box. It's he fouled it here's it's one of those things where if it's in the middle of the field it's called a foul it is kind of harsh for the penalty box like I do think that's that's a fair assessment but at the same time yeah. like it's hard to argue oh it, it can't be a penalty kick because it's a foul but like it is kind of soft but at the end of the day when we haven't had a penalty kick there in 37 years like I don't think there's that much and I also don't think like that was a game-changing call like, I don't think like, that that would have mattered yeah and you was so bad like that I don't think it really mattered but <laughs> either way you know City had some good passing movements on both uh Holland's second goal and Foden's goal um but it really wasn't like vintage City by any means um you know it wasn't like run-in City like I think everybody has sort of become aware of, of city in the run-in and, and how good they sort of get towards that second half of the season. Um, they, they haven't even gotten close to that yet this year, in my opinion. Um, yeah. and they still walked all over man United. It was like, there were parts of it. Part of the reason that it was a really boring game was because big chunks of it just looked like training sessions. Yeah. I heard somebody put it at, put it at the way of like, 
it looks like a childhood training session where you're playing offense versus defense and like the defense just clears it and then the offense goes again. Somebody put it like that. And I thought that was pretty accurate and it made for a pretty boring game to watch. I'm not going to lie. Like I kind of zoned out a little bit in the second half just because it got, it was boring. Like Manchester United, like didn't even put up a fight. Like it was boring. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think City can be really enjoyable to watch when they are in that final form, even if they are blowing people out. Like, they they play such beautiful, you know, sort of football that, like, I like watching it anyway. When City's not playing, be- like, that sort of peak beautiful football and they're still blowing people out, then, like, that's yeah. kind of boring. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I thought this was, like, menu was just so pathetic that it's, like, yeah. And then they went ahead and lost again um, at two games in a row at Old Trafford, 3 nothing. They lost to Newcastle, I believe, in the Caribou Cup. Yeah. Midweek. Um, so, yeah. And and much like we said with I'm, – I'm not – we've spoken about him before. Neither of us are super big fans of Ten Hag. Yeah, um, not really at all. That being said, like, I think much like the situation with Chelsea, like, Ten Hag is not the root of the problem. That's um, the thing. It's like, I, I, if you fire him, bring someone else in who I don't know who that someone would be, nothing changes in my mind. Right. I agree. Like, so rumor has it, it was going to, I heard a rumor that, like, if it was, it would be Graham Potter, basically. And I was like, well, that's the same thing that happened to Graham Potter at Chelsea is going to happen to him at Man United. Like, the and I think we talked about this a little bit last year I think with Chelsea or maybe with Liverpool or Manu one of the somebody struggling last year we talked about this in the sense that there you, you sort of get backed into a corner because the only thing that you can change quickly is a coach and well, that's, so that's, that's the thing right unless they decide to are, hold on until the thing is is though like I don't think either team needs to be like picking up players in January no, it's right? not a personnel like, issue it's not at a all. Personnel it's a, issue. It's a it's a club culture. It's a and the, and here's the thing. It is it, it's kind of a personnel issue in the sense that like their recruitment, both Chelsea and United, Manchester United, their recruitment over the past several years has not been great. Yeah. But with Manchester United specifically, like Ten Hag gets a lot of the players he wants to bring in. Like if you bring, if you look at the guys that have come in under Ten Hag, it's a lot of guys that played, you know, under him at Ajax at some point, um, yeah. you know, when he was there. Yeah. And so it's a lot of the guys that he brought in for his structure, for his style. Yeah. And I believe it was Jamie Carragher I heard who was, basically pointing out that Manchester United and Ten Hag don't seem to have a style. Um, yeah. They don't seem yeah. to have a structure of a game plan right now. Like, mm-hmm. whereas like, I think a good comparison you can make is uh, Pasta Coglu at Spurs, right? Uh, which as much as neither of us like Spurs, you have to give the man his flowers. Um, oh, absolutely. You know, I have, yeah, I'm not going to, not going to critique him. He yeah. has stepped into a, a pretty shitty situation, right? Spurs also a bit of a wreck. When you've lost a bunch of, you know, you've gone through a bunch of managers in quick succession and you've lost Harry Kane. Yeah. And they're fucking top of the league right now. Do I think they're going to win the Premier League this year? No, I do not think so. But I do think they're going to finish top four. Yeah, but it it just shows, it shows that it almost like, I mean, okay, it does matter who you have on your team. Yes, 
However, it doesn't really matter. What matters more, I think, is like a cohesive vision, right? Yes. And you I have think a bunch that's of players on a team and they're all running around in different in different directions. It doesn't make sense. Even right. like the best players in the world. You, you, we saw people when, like, when you watch Tottenham or when you watch like Brighton is another good example. When you watch Brighton, example. Yep. you can see what the plan is, right? And whether it works 100% of the time, which it doesn't work 100% of the time, but you can see what the idea is, right? And when things, when it doesn't work, you can see what goes wrong and you can pick out what goes wrong quickly because there's a game plan. So you can see where the gaps are. You can see what the strategy is and then you can, you know what the problem is. And I mean, at a much more successful scale, the same is true at City and Arsenal, right? Like they play a specific way stylistically and so when things don't go right, you know what the issue is. You can put your finger on that's where things went wrong. You know, when City lost a couple of games, we lost, we had, you know, we lacked central midfield structure because we didn't have Rodri. Like, you know, you can put your finger on what the problem is when things are not going right, when there is a cohesive structure and an actual plan. And that's what is lacking at United and Chelsea. And not just on the pitch, but like, top to bottom in the organization like they have all these ownership issues and the owners hate the coaches and the coaches and the owners are just guzzling money and base various places and old trafford is like a wreck of a stadium apparently like yeah it's not good enough to host major european competitions anymore is apparently what somebody was saying yeah I, I saw that like the renovations would be neat I don't know exactly yeah like like it used to Old Trafford used to be one of the most you know sort of highly regarded renowned stadiums in yeah. Europe um yeah. and it's you know the city fans chant and I believe the Newcastle fans kind of took it up this week that they they chant like Old Trafford is falling down um which maybe there's more is. there's more to the song but that's one of the yeah. lyrics um and I think it's just sort of like you can see there's some very like institutional rot at these clubs and you can see what happens where it doesn't matter how much money you have if your if your organization is not well run right yeah. and i think like you can see what happened with arsenal right they were a mess for a little while but then they got it figured out and they invested in a vision and now look at them now right oh yeah and, and there I think- were a few years there when we were like the vision is not like i mean arteta's first season was a bit of a train wreck Right. And I think like, you know, five years later along the line, that's what City's at, right? Like you can say your piece about the the takeover and where the money comes from and all that, but putting that aside for a moment, like when City was taken over and when City was, there was a vision there all along. There was cohesive structure from top to bottom um, of what they were going to do. There was a plan and everybody is on the same page and they executed that plan, right? And that's why it works, right? Like, and that's what yeah. you see at Real Madrid and, you know, all the success, Bayern Munich, like that's what you see at successful football clubs is a, is a you know, a cohesive mindset and plan top to bottom. And that's yeah. what Manchester United used to have, you know, when- We absolutely when used to have there. it, that's the thing, yeah. You know, they, it's not let Manchester United or Chelsea have never in their historical, you know, very successful phases of Manchester United have, probably arguably one of the most successful phases of you know football history in the late 90s and the early yeah. 2000s like yep. they had a really long stretch of really really excellent football pedigree there right under Fergie and that was all a there was a cohesive vision top to bottom there and and that's not 
that doesn't exist anymore. And that's why they can't get it together no matter who's coaching them. Yep. And so we'll just kind of see what happens. Um, there's the one guy who's maybe going to come in and do something or other. And so I don't know, but I have a hard time imagining that either Chelsea or Manchester United are going to get better anytime soon. Yeah, I would concur with that. Um, with that. Well, and I that, think we will leave that the Premier League. Yeah. Um, talk really, really quickly about El Clasico, um, which was this past weekend. Um, Real Madrid beat Barca two to one. Here's the thing about it. And I, and I like, I've said it before and I've tweeted it and I just don't. Real Madrid is feeding Jude Bellingham some kind of dark magic. Yeah, (laughs) dark magic. Something is in the water for that kid in, in Madrid. Because here's the thing. He was a great player at Dortmund. I, we all sort of saw his potential at Dortmund, right? He was not scoring goals. No, he didn't. He wasn't a goal scorer. He was like a middle-of-the-field facilitator. But he was not a goal scorer. Like, that was not his job. He created goals, and he did sometimes score goals, but, like, he was not a goal-scoring guy. He's on a ridiculous tear right now. Not only is and, – and, and I think the important distinction to make with these Bellingham goals with Madrid is that it's not like these are really good Madrid movements that he's just finishing off. No, he's All of Bellingham goals are just Bellingham. Like nobody else is fucking doing shit. Like Real Madrid got fully a hundred percent outplayed by Barca this entire game. Vinicius mm-hmm. Jr. might as well have not been on the pitch. Like yep. it like, truly. And honestly, Jude Bellingham was bodied by Gavi for about ninety percent of the game. Which I would like, like to say we did predict this that that would be a fun matchup, and I'm very glad about that ninety percent of the game. Correct. Gavi had his number completely, but then it's like, he gets free two times and he scores. And it's like, what I think is so baffling to me is that it's completely Jude Bellingham, that it's only him. He receives the ball. He creates the chance. You know, one of them, he sort of received the ball further back the field and he kind of made it happen. And one, it was just like, it bounced out to him and he ripped one up. Like, and you're kind of just like, well, what the fuck are you supposed to do? Like, what do you do? There's nothing like it's hard for me to criticize anything about the way Barca played because they didn't play badly. They should there are some chances that they maybe should have finished, um, but it's hard for me to criticize. Like overall, over ninety minutes, Barca were the better team. Yep. But it's like when Jude Bellingham just like creates things out of nothing, and and it's and it's again what what strikes me the most is not that he's the one it's like it's not coincidence that he's the one scoring all the goals he's the only one creating anything he's only but he's doing so anything good at doing right it now. but he's so good at doing it that it doesn't matter but it's the kind of thing where with madrid and madrid have to be shaking in their boots because if he go, were to go down with an injury they're fucking done for yeah. like if he were to go down for an injury or god forbid hit a little slump or something yeah. like that like they're out, they're done. Like there is yeah. their defense does not look good. Their midfield is shaky. Nobody Vinicius is like Vinicius is a very good player, 
But I, like truly, he spent so much time trying to get fouls in this game that he literally stopped, act, like actively stopped playing the game several times to complain. Yeah. Like the game was still going on. And yeah. like Rodrigo hit a game in the, or hit a goal in the Champions League last week, but he's not really produced. Like nobody else is producing anything. It is only Jude Bellingham. So if he goes down and, and, you know, and it might be the kind of thing where it ends up not mattering because the other guys will hit their stride, um, you know, and Jude Bellingham, yeah. if he goes on whatever, it'll be fine. But if he were to go, like, I, I am very, I very firmly believe if Jude Bellingham were to go down with an injury tomorrow, which let's be clear, I am not saying I hope that happens. No. I don't no. like Real Madrid, but I do like Jude Bellingham. It's impossible not to like the guy. Um, so I'm yeah. not saying I hope that happens, but if, you know, that were to unfortunately go down, if he were to get injured in training or something, Real Madrid would lose. I'm telling, like, I'm telling you right now, Real Madrid, there are probably five or six games and we're only in, you know, early November that Real Madrid would have lost by at least one, if not more goals, had Drew Bellingham not created something out of nothing. Like, yep. and it's kind of just like, what do you even say at this point? Like, we may, as much as we've been talking about, and I hate that he, I hate this is about to come out of my mouth because I hate Real Madrid so much. Um, but as much as we ta- we've talked about sort of, um, or not we've specifically, but sort of the, the community at large has sort of talked about Holland and Mbappe being the next version of Messi and Ronaldo. Um, it's Jude Bellingham. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. He is the- He's the next great. Um, yeah. At this rate, Jude Bellingham is going to win a ball into orb before Mbappe does. Yeah, that's going to happen. And I'd be real interested to see how his sort of meteoric rise impacts Mbappe's desire to go to Real Madrid. Oh, I hadn't thought about that. But this is true. But where is Mbappe going to go? Well, we've talked about this before in the sense that I had a hard enough time with him at Real Madrid because he plays the same position as Vinicius. Yeah, but that was a little bit less hard. Well, it was just sort of like, okay, so one of them is going to have to play. It's it's hard to imagine. Mbappe is not, I mean, Mbappe and Vinicius are pretty similar players. Like, I don't think one is a big step over the other. Like, it's pretty hard to argue that Vinicius should lose his starting spot to Mbappe. Yeah. But... Anyway, I don't know. We'll just have to keep an eye on it. Um, obviously Real Madrid is is they're scraping along and it's and it's crazy to say they're scraping along, but they truly are scraping. I mean, Jude really Bellingham are, though. dragging is personally dragging them over dragging. each one. Yeah. Um, so we'll see how that continues to develop. But that was my main takeaway from um from El Clasico. Last but certainly not least on today's uh, topics, we are going to briefly discuss the Ballon d'Or. Um, we, we talked about we talked about it quite a bit um, when the nominations were first sort of put mm-hmm. out. Yeah, uh, and and sort of I'm not going to rehash what we said about Messi um, versus Holland because no. I don't think to. Um, no, we I don't think so. Said our piece on that. Um, and, and and none of our opinions, I don't think, have changed on, on that front. So if you want to hear um, about our thoughts on Messi versus Holland, there's a couple episodes back. You can you can hear our our takes on that. Our thoughts, yeah. But 
Messi did win, which was the expected result um, of the men's result. Honestly, like we've talked about this before. Like we both have such a hard time with the bond or just because no. like it's, it's so bullshit. I don't even really want to go through the whole list. Um, Let's not go through the whole list. I don't want to go through the whole list. I have three things, two things to bring up. Okay. Two specific things. One is that five of the top 10 were Manchester City players. Um, so that's fun. Um, three of the top five were Manchester City players. Um, Rodri in fifth. Uh De Bruyne in fourth and uh, Mbappe fin- or Mbappe Holland finished second uh, Mbappe finished third. That is where my biggest gripe is. Um, <laughs> I am so fucking infuriated. I can't even express it that killing Mbappe finished above Kevin De Bruyne. That should literally be a crime. Like n- nobody can look at me with a straight face and tell me that killing Mbappe had a better year last year than uh, frankly De Bruyne or Rodri. Frankly, you think that the world I was I just assumed the World Cup impacted that it it is, but it was well, two things: the World Cup, but also Mbappe didn't win the fucking World Cup. Yeah, so but he played he, pretty damn well in the final. Well, he played well in the final, but he still fucking lost. I'm just, so, I mean, but I'm just like, I'm not, no, I'm not, I'm not, less, I'm not agreeing with Mbappe no, being third, but that, I'm just saying I think that's probably what played into it. But that's what plays into it. But it's like, it's one thing if, if okay, so you lost a World Cup final. You played well in a World Cup final, but you lost in it. And you, you what? You scored a bunch of goals in the French League. We've discussed that before. Um, at the end of the day, Mbappe got third because it's a French football award and he's fucking French. That's why. That's why he got put ahead of treble winning Rodri and De Bruyne. Like, that's why. Straight up, period. That is why. It's because he's French, like, and it I mean, makes me yeah, know that's why. and I know that's why, but it makes me so angry. And I think part of it, part of the reason that it makes me angry is because frankly, I think the ball into aura rankings should have been Messi, De Bruyne, Rodri. <laughs> that's what I think the top three should have been. Yeah, but And I know it's never going to be that. And I happen. know. I know that's not how it works, but, that, but just, oh, like, I know, you know, he scores 52 goals. He's going to be top finish. Like Holland is not even in the top three players on Manchester city. Like I, I know it's the goal scorers get the glory. I know, I know how that's how it works. Listeners. I wish you could see my face right now. <laughs> She's just distraught in all ways. Uh, like I, it genuinely hurts my soul so badly that Kevin De Bruyne is going to retire from football, never having won a ball before. Like it just—I mean, he can just be added to the na- the list of the great names. Who have but never him won next it. to Iniesta and Javi, it's Javi and Iniesta. I and, mean, Thierry Henry never won one either. Like that's Thierry ridiculous Henry. as well. Thierry like, Henry, yeah. Like, but I think like Kevin De Bruyne goes near the top of that list. Like. I think like I think you go joins those uh, players at the top of the list. I would yeah. say like the top of that list is those four guys. Like, and it just hurts my, it just hurts my soul. Like it, it hurts my soul so bad. I, I, and I knew he was never going to win, but I needed him to finish. I wanted him to podium and I'm so mad that he didn't. And I, I like, I hate, I hate the French period. 
Like, I also hate Mbappe. So it doesn't help that it's like the French and Mbappe's fault that I, like people I already hate, like to then take this away from me. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. a, compound, it's a compounding of issues here. Um, on a much happier note. Much happier um, I, note. Aitana Bonmati, uh, as we expected, and not at all controversially, like truly nothing could have been less controversial than Aitana Bonmati winning the Ball d'Or on the women's yeah. side. Um, I'm, I am genuinely not sure that any winner, male or female, has ever been more deserving than Ball d'Or of the Ball d'Or than Aitana Bonmati this year. Yep, I would um, agree. And Nike actually put out a really nice sort of um, like little ad campaign, basically, that was like the greatest season of football ever. Um, because that's true. Nobody has won the World Cup, uh, the Champions the Champions League, the World Cup, and been MVP of both tournaments in the same year. Nobody, male or women, has ever done that, except for Aitana Bomati. Um, What's a legend? And she uh, is only like 20 days older than me, which is terrible. Yep. She's our age. She's 25. She's our age. <laughs> um, Ugh. But yeah, so very well deserved. Uh, Sam Kerr finished second. The only kind of eyebrow raising thing was uh, Salma Paraguelo finished third. Um, which doesn't really make sense it, to me. Which, yeah, that's World Cup clout. Which is my point about Mbappe. Yeah, that's another World Cup clout. She, and and she scored, which to be fair, she did score two game-winning goals to send them to the finals, um, to yeah, the semifinals. What did she do the rest of the, like, it's not the Ballon d'Or of the World Cup. No, it's not. And she's she's 19 years old. She's a very young player. She didn't she's an see excellent player. Enough. I don't think she's excellent. Either. I think she's fully deserving of it in a couple years' time. But she just didn't see enough of the field, um, you know, for last year for Barcelona, for her to really, for anyone to really justify I guess my only thing about the World Cup for the women versus the men is that, like, I think at least, like, at least the Women's World Cup, like, kind of just happened. Like, the Men's World Cup is, like, basically a full year ago now. Like, that's my only sort of thing. But, yeah, uh, Paraluelo's third place finish is 100% World Cup clout. Um, she's a great player, but I just don't think – I do not think she was the third best player in the world last year. Yeah. And I don't – Yeah. And I think most people would agree she was not the third plus best player in the world next year um but but another sort of fun thing in the finishing um Mary Earps did finish I believe fifth um and yeah. that is the highest a goalkeeper has ever finished yeah uh, so very good for for Mary Earps and well deserved on Mary Earps's part I believe um so yeah but Sam Kerr finishes second one day she'll finish higher than second <laughs> um she's podiumed a couple times now um yeah. and you know if Chelsea wins the Champions League, maybe that'll be her year. Um, yeah, and if like Australia wins the Olympics or something, which very honestly, very well could happen. Oh, that's not that's not out of the question. I don't think that's pretty. I think realistic I, I'll, I'll, I'll put my I'll put my my bets on it now. If Chelsea wins the Champions League this year, or can is Chelsea out? Chelsea's the only team that's still in. Arsenal's not in. Everybody like everybody got knocked out. I think Chelsea's the only English team still in, actually. Arsenal lost at like Paris FC. Like not PSG. A bunch of people lost a bunch of people lost. I was to just Paris. confused. I was like, I didn't that's know these guys were happening. Anyway, if Chelsea wins a lot of awards, Sam Kerr scores a lot of goals and uh our, um Australia wins gold at the Olympics next year, Sam Kerr is the ball and door winner next year. Yeah. 
think that could be the case. Uh, also, considering that England is about to fail to qualify so that all of the UK won't be able to be in the Olympics. Yeah, that's going to really do Sam Kerr a lot of favors because all of the English, Scottish, and, uh, you know, Welsh and Northern Irish girls are uh, going to be shit out of luck. I just find that amusing. Anyway. That's all I've anyway. got. Um, that's, uh, that's kind of our only comments about the Ballon d'Or. We're not going to go through the, the full rankings or talk it through. Um, we just don't care enough about it. No. To, to go through the rest of it. It's, it'll just make us annoyed. Annoyed. So, you know, I, know, I would just like to say the Arsenal players did rank relatively well and like in appropriate places. I think, I don't really remember, like, I think Saka was like 21st and Odegaard like 28th or something, you know, like. I think that's correct. Yeah. Like and I think that's appropriate. That's fine. Like, that's makes sense. <laughs> but it's it's great yeah. for them. It's it's a really good achievement. So yeah, good. Both very young players. I expect to continue to see both of those guys in the top 30 and place higher and higher every year. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, right. um, we will we will leave you there. Um, we will be back with you next week um and talk about whatever happens in the interim so who knows we'll never know until it happens all right talk to you next week that's all for this week we'll see you next week on kicking balls